This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now, today's lesson is titled Anointed for Service, and it comes from 1 Samuel 9, 25 through 10, 8. But before we start our lesson today, Word Talk Inc. could use your support. Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or mail us your gift to Word Talk Inc. P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk Inc. is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax exempt ministry. Now, your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13:16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Now, if you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. Again, that's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com. And you can also catch us on iTunes by going to the podcast section and searching for WMER Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. Well, if you're a regular listener, you know that we've been going through the book of 1 Samuel. Over the last couple of weeks, we had a couple of lessons. One out of chapter 8, where we looked at, be careful what you ask for. And we saw that the nation of Israel asked for a king. They wanted to be like everybody else. But we see in Romans 12, too, that Paul tells us that we are to be transformed, not conformed to the world, He says, don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But anyhow, the nation of Israel wanted to be just like everybody else. They wanted a king. And that really upset Samuel. And Samuel went and prayed to God. And God said, hey, don't be upset. It's me that they're uh, insulting. It's not you. And what we saw after that was that God told Samuel, go back and tell him what it means to have a king. And so he warned him. He told him the caveats and the consequences of actually having a king, how he was going to take from them. But they still were stubborn and wanted what they asked for. And so God said, "Okay, you can have it. So that's where we came up with God sometimes gives us even what's not best for so that we can learn from it. And so be careful what you ask for. And then last week in chapter 9, we looked at God's providential hand. How that Samuel went out looking for these donkeys that were lost, and he just so happened to run into some women that were coming down the mountain when they were looking for a seer after three days and couldn't find the donkeys. And they said, yeah, he just so happens to be here. And so they went up, and he just so happened to run into them right when they were coming in. And he says, go on up and eat a feast that I have set aside for you. And we also saw that God's timing is always right. He had already come the day before and told Samuel that I'm sending a man from the tribe of Benjamin and he's going to come and ask for you and I want him to be anointed king. Now understand that there was a period of time there from the time that the people wanted a king 
to when God said the day before. God's timing is always right. It's never too early. It's never too late. It is always on time. But I hope you walked away from chapter 9 understanding that so much in our lives are just ordinary day-to-day -day events that go on that really don't hold some special meaning like going and looking for lost donkeys. Sometimes we get discouraged by the interruptions and the distractions and we get frustrated by the setbacks that are come in our life. Sometimes we feel like we're just walking in circles and we're going nowhere. In other words, a lot of life is just looking for donkeys just like we saw with Saul. I want you to understand that Saul thought he was just out looking for donkeys, but there was something much bigger. God had a plan. He was looking for donkeys, but God was building a kingdom and he's going to use him for it. What I can tell you today is God has a plan for you just like he did for Saul. And it's a big plan. It's a part of God's ultimate perfect plan. And you may seem like you're running in circles. You may seem like you're going nowhere. You may be frustrated where you are right now, but don't get discouraged. God has a plan for you. And God can use the interruptions and the setbacks to get you ready for what he really has for you. But now today, we're going to look at Saul's anointing that comes by Samuel. God tells him to anoint him. What does that really mean? I want you to understand, even though we will never be able to be the king of Israel, just like Saul was anointed to be, we can still take some of the things that happen through this anointing process, this anointing for service, and apply it to our lives. If God has called you to service, then he will anoint you. And that may not be a formal service, but there is an anointing for God's call. And I want to dive into that today. So with all that said, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9. We'll finish the last three verses down there. And we'll start with verse 25 and go through 27. 1 Samuel 9 verse 25, and I'll be reading out the ESV. And when they came down from the high place into the city, a bed was spread for Saul on the roof, and he lay down to sleep. Then at the break of dawn, Samuel called to Saul on the roof, up that I may send you on your way. So Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went out into the street. And when they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to pass on before us. And when he had passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. So for the note takers out there, the first thing you could write down is that God prepares us for our service. Remember that God has already told Samuel that he wanted Saul to be the king. So Samuel didn't just pour oil on Saul's head. He prepared him for it. After the feast in Saul's honor, we looked at that last week. Remember he had put back special food for the special guest he had told the chef? Anyhow, they went back to Samuel's house and there they engaged in conversation and he slept on the roof. Now the roofs in those days were flat roofs and they were used as another room in the house. Now we're not told what they talked about, but we can probably assumed that they were talking about the kingship, about what God had told Samuel and what God was now planning to do through Saul. And Samuel may have even reviewed with Saul God's instruction for the kingship that he had laid out in Deuteronomy 17, and we looked at that before. So you could say that God had been preparing Saul all his life for his service as Israel's first king. We saw that last week because in the beginning of chapter 9, we saw that he came from the tribe of Benjamin. His dad's name was Kish, and he was a man of wealth. He was a man of stature. 
And also Saul was a handsome young man, and he was a man from his shoulders up that was taller than anyone else in that part of the country. But even though God had been preparing him all his life and he didn't even realize it, he was just going through the motions that he thought of day-to-day life, God still had more preparation for him. And what I want you to learn from this is that God is preparing you for your service or he's already prepared you and he's continuing to prepare you for the service that he's called you to do. Now, let's use an analogy of this. If you were to go out and plant a garden, you just don't reap a harvest. You have to go take the soil and you have to prep it. You have to till it. You have to turn under. You have to get the soil broke up. And then you take the seed and you plant it, but you prepare the ground for that harvest. And if we want a fruitful result that comes from the service that we're doing for God and what God has called us to, then we have to prepare ourselves. But anyhow, I want you to understand that God prepares you for the work that he is calling you to. Paul wrote about this in Ephesians. In Ephesians 2.10, he said, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God what prepared in advance for us to do. What it says is God has a plan for your life. You were created in his image. You are his workmanship. And he has already prepared in advance, before you even know about it, the good works that he's going to have you do. And he is preparing you for that. So understand, just as with Saul, God was preparing him, God has been preparing you. God never lets anything go to waste. And so your family background, your life circumstances, your specific talents and gifts all have a purpose in God's plan. God has been preparing you all along for the work of service that he prepared in advance for you. God prepares you for the work of service that he's calling you to. Which really takes me to the second sub-point of God prepares us is that God calls us as well. So not only does God prepare you for the work that he's going to call you to, but then he calls you into that work. You might go, Tim, well, I've never been called to be a preacher. Well, you may be called to be a teacher. You may be called to be a deacon. God may use your background to sit on a committee or a board for the church to help them in the business world. Whatever it is, God has been preparing you, and now he will also call you to that ministry. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God has given you a gift of service. He calls you to that service, and he wants you to use those gifts that he's given you and been preparing you for to use in his service. God calls you to be faithful in serving others with the gift that he's given you. So what we saw right here in verse 25 and 26 and 27 is that God was preparing Saul for the service, and he calls Saul because Samuel tells Saul that God is calling you. Now let's flip over to chapter 10 and verses 1 through 7 real quick. Then Samuel took a flask and poured it over the head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be the prince over the people of Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you shall save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelah. And they will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and he's anxious about you saying, what shall I do about my son? 
And then you shall go on from there further and come to an oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. And after that, you shall come to a city, it's hard for me to say, Guy Bethlehem, where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them prophesying. And then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now, when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So right here in chapter 10, we see the anointing phase. We see that God called him to service, but he calls him to serve, but not in his own strength. In chapter 9, the servant went on ahead, and now they're alone, and Samuel immediately pours oil over Saul's head. He anoints him. I also want to point out right here that it's not Samuel the one really pouring that all over his head. This is a symbol of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. But it is the Lord who has anointed Saul and Samuel's just carrying it out. And so he is going to be leader over the whole nation of Israel. And Samuel acts only as God's representative as he anoints him. Now anointing oil was originally used to consecrate or set something aside for God. In the same way prophets and priests and king were anointed, we're set apart for God's purpose too. Now the anointing also symbolized the enablement or the empowering of service through the Holy Spirit. And that anointing showed that they were chosen by God for this particular work and service. Throughout the Old Testament, as you look at the, all the anointings, all that points to Jesus, who was the ultimate anointed one. Jesus was the one that was truly chosen by God. He was a prophet, he was a priest, and he was king, and he's all in one. He was the Messiah. Through Saul's anointing, we can learn something. First of all, we can learn that we are called to serve God, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4.6 tells us, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And this is really getting to the heart of the message that I'm trying to tell you today. You can't do God's work without God's spirit. You need God's anointing in order to be fruitful in your service to God. So don't try to do it for God without seeking God's anointing first. And you could really say that's the first principle that we learn from Saul's anointing right here is that we are called to serve God, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing we can learn right here is that when God calls us, he confirms. God confirms his call. In verses 2 through 6, Samuel gives Saul three confirmation signs that he will be assured that this is God, that this is what he's supposed to do. And every sign that he gives him is very specific as to who Saul will meet, where he will meet them, and what will happen when he does meet them. He'll meet two men at Zeah where the news about the donkeys is given to him that, hey, we found the donkeys, but now your dad's worried about you. And then he's going to meet three men at Tabor on their way up to Bethel that are going to give a sacrifice. Now, three loaves of bread will be a part of the sacrifice and are intended to be anointed to the priest. But two of them will be given to Saul, confirming that he has been anointed by God. And then finally, he'll meet a band of prophets that are at Gibeah, 
playing music and prophesying. And the Spirit of the Lord is going to come on him, and Saul will be a part of them, and he'll start prophesying along with them. But I want you to notice, too, that each sign increases with intensity. Saul has just been anointed by Samuel by pouring oil over him. So Saul goes from meeting one man to meeting two men, and then going from meeting two men to three men. So each of these signs, the number of people involved increases. And then there's one more thing I want you to notice, that the three signs also mirror Saul's visit with Samuel. First, the two men tell him about the donkeys, which you know he was looking for when he met Samuel, and God called him to be king. Then the three men at Tabor give him the loaves of bread uh, that are intended for the priest. And that's a reminder of the feast that was held in his honor by Samuel in the town that he's at. And then finally, Samuel meets the prophets and the spirit comes upon him and gives him his power to be king. And this is to remind him of the anointing of all, the symbol of the Holy Spirit being poured over him. When God calls, he confirms. And I want you to understand that. Now, God doesn't always confirm his calling in our lives supernaturally and miraculous like he did right here with Saul. Now, don't get me wrong. God can do that. But there is a much better way for God to confirm his calling in your life and what he wants you to do for his service. But that is through the bearing of fruit. Jesus told us in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branch. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When God calls you to serve him in a particular way, he confirms that through the fruit that you will bear in that area. A great question to ask is, when I serve God in this way, is God being glorified? Are people being encouraged? Are people being built up? Is their faith growing stronger? If the answer is yes, then this is an indication that God has called you to serve in that area. But if the answer is no, then perhaps God didn't call you he called you in a different way, but you're doing it in your own strength. You're doing it out of your service and your glory instead of God getting the glory. And then the third principle is when God calls, he equips. God equips the call. I want you to go back to verse six with me because I want to dive into this verse for a second. Then the spirit of the Lord will rush upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Right there, we see that when the Spirit of the Lord overcomes Saul, that he is going to have a change of heart. He is going to become a new man. It's a symbol of what we see when we are saved. You know, again, the Bible tells us that when we are saved, the old man has passed away and all things are new. And right here, we see as his anointing, as he prophesies that he is going to change to a new man. But now look at verse 7. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. So after the Holy Spirit comes on him, after he's changed and he's a new man, guess what? God equips him. God says, whatever your hands do, do it because God is with you. God equips Saul for the task that he's sending him, and he's doing it under the strength of the Holy Spirit. God is telling him that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon him and then it's going to lead him and he would be free to do whatever task arose before him. And it's the same with us today. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become a new person, like I said, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we become that new person, we have to die to ourselves. We have to walk in the Spirit. And then when we do that, then we are led down the path that God has for us. Peter wrote about this also. Look at 1 Peter 4, 11. 
If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. When God calls, he equips. We don't serve out of our own strength or even out of our own gifts, but we serve with the strength that God gives us that he may receive all the praise and he may receive all the glory. This whole section on Saul's anointing is really important for us to understand. Samuel told Saul to wait for the Holy Spirit. Why did he tell him that? Because you need God's anointing to serve God. You'll burn out. If you try to do it in your own strength, you may have success at first, but you will burn out. We need the strength of the Holy Spirit, and we need God's anointing. And when we have God's anointing, that means we've been called by God and we've been equipped by God. The last thing what you see is that we wait on God's instruction. We serve on God's time. Look at verse 8 with me. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offering and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. Now this particular verse, there are two different ways that commentators look at it. One says this is an instruction to go and wait, and that's the way we're going to interpret it. But there are other commentators that think this is prophetic and that We'll see later in chapter 13 that Saul goes down to Gilgal and he's disobedient to God. But either way, the precedent is set. Saul has been anointed for the task that God has called him to. He's been equipped by the Holy Spirit. And he's told to go forth and accomplish great things that he will be led by the Spirit to do. But he's not given just carte blanche. Even as king, Saul is still subject to the word of God. And we'll see that as we study through this book. God is going to use Saul, but Saul is supposed to walk in the ways of the Lord. And so Samuel tells him, go and wait for more instructions at Gilgal for me. How long are you supposed to wait? Seven days. What is he supposed to do in those seven days? The Bible really doesn't tell us right here. But let me tell you what the Bible does tell us. In Psalms 27, 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. What it's saying is don't rush into things. Take time and pray. Take time and lay out your plans before God. Let God speak to you and tell you his plans. Let God guide you in the works of service that he has for you. Pray to God for his anointing on the service that he's called you to. You know what? Just because God's called you something, we're to pray for a re-anointing time after time to make sure we're still where God wants us to be in that season. So wait on the Lord in prayer. Even though it doesn't tell us what he's supposed to do for those seven days, the Bible teaches us that we should wait on the Lord and we should do that with prayer. And the second thing that the Bible shows us is that while we're waiting on the Lord, we should study his word. Remember we talked about earlier, Jesus spoke about bearing fruit for him. And one of the conditions was, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that's John 15, 7. See, the Bible is our final authority for faith and practice. So in everything we do in service to God, we need to make sure that it's his word that we're following. It's his attitude that we're showing. It's his actions that all line up through us. And we do that by understanding and studying God's word. If you want God's anointing on your life, you must wait on the Lord in prayer. And you need to wait on the Lord and remain in his word and understand his character and what he wants and how we are to walk in his ways. I'm completely out of time, so let me close with this final thought real quick. What are the things that we need to walk away learning today? One is we are never to serve God in our own strength. It is through His strength. 
Just as Saul needed to be anointed by the Holy Spirit to serve as king for God, you need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit in all that you do for God. God's anointing will be confirmed, and we saw that as well. The fruit that we bear in that service is the confirmation that we get. And we shouldn't separate the Spirit of God from the Word of God. The Word of God is the final authority. I go back to John 15, 5. Jesus told us, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do God's work without God's Spirit. You can't do anything without God's Spirit and be effective for God. Now, you can do it in your own strength. Like I said, you'll burn out. You can play church, and you can do that without God's Spirit. But what I will tell you is that you can't do God's work without God's Spirit. So we should always ask for help through the Holy Spirit when we have a calling that God wants us to do. And we do that through prayer and through God's Word. Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before you today, Lord. We thank you for this time together. Lord, we thank you for 1 Samuel. Lord, we thank you for showing us through this anointing of Saul how we can look at the anointing you put on our life. Lord, how you have a unique and perfect plan for us. And how that when you call us to do that service, that you will confirm that service. Lord, let us always understand that you equip the call. You will give us what we need, even we don't know how we're going to do it. Lord, we know that you will confirm that call. And Lord, most of all, let us wait on your timing. Lord, that even though you call us, we don't have carte blanche to go do whatever we want, that we should follow your word. And we do that by staying in your word and praying and hearing from you. Lord, right now, maybe there's one that's listening that needed to hear this. Maybe they're trying to do things in their own strength. Maybe they're just trying to walk a Christian life in their own strength. Lord, I pray today that they would learn to die to themselves, Lord, and they would ask you to let the Holy Spirit come over them and be led by the Holy Spirit. Help them overcome the different issues that they seem to have that they can't overcome. Lord, let the Holy Spirit just guide them through that and take over and overcome that. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't know you. Lord, we pray today would be the day. Your word tells us we will confess with our mouth and believe that you died and rose again through in our heart that we will be saved. Lord, I pray today they would do that. Lord, they will believe with their heart. They'll ask you to be Lord of their life. Lord, it's in your name we pray. We thank you for all the many blessings you give this ministry. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.